We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How's it going, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of the Math Step Back Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg. You can find me, as always, on Twitter at Dalton underscore Trigg. Uh, I'm joined today by my DallasBasketball.com colleague, Grant Afseth. You can find him at Grant Afseth. It's spelled exactly how it sounds, A-F-S-E-T-H, on Twitter. And you can always find the pod account on Twitter as well, at StepBackMavs. Grant, you were in Las Vegas for Summer League, so you got to see uh, the Mavs guys up front and personal. Uh, And... You know, they went winless, so it wasn't a great week for Mavs basketball as far as summer league stuff goes. Didn't win a game. Uh, their top four players were A.J. Lawson, uh, Moses Wright, Jaden Hardy, and Jarek Harding. Uh, and just looking at the at the stats here, so Lawson, he led the team by averaging 15.6 points per game. Uh, six rebounds per game. He shot f- nearly 52% from the field and 50% from three his entire time in Vegas. So he was by far, in my opinion, the most impressive uh, math summer leaguer. And I know before we touched on this when you joined me on the last pod, but you know I know the Mavs were considering uh, giving Tyler Dorsey a two-way contract before summer league started. Now I wonder if they're kind of like, okay, well, maybe <laughs> – Maybe we should go with the uh, with the younger twenty two year old instead of the twenty six year old uh, that showed some potential in these five games in Vegas. But uh, we're going to touch on you know a number of these guys throughout this pod. But let's start there with AJ Lawson. Uh, what was some of the stuff that stuck out to you uh, from him specifically? Yeah, I think uh, you know just being a really efficient catch and shoot uh, player overall was really impressive, and I think. Uh, you know, his ability just to kind of uh, read when to turn the corner and attack downhill and, uh, you know, finish with some force uh, was also something you don't really see too much from, like, uh, you know, spot-up players. Um, so he's got, like, some uh, pretty intriguing, uh, like, layers uh, to his uh, game as a role player, I feel like. Yeah, and he has – right now he has a thin frame, which, I mean, that's that's the case with a lot of these guys coming out of college and – uh, you know, rookie guys that haven't really been in an NBA weight room or, you know, an environment with all the strength and training coaches. 
Uh, so, I mean, that's one thing he, he's going to have to work on. But like you said, I mean, just him attacking downhill was something I didn't expect. Uh, you know, his ability to come off a, sh- a screen and stop on a dime and his shot still looks amazing while doing that. It was almost – and, I mean, I there was one – there was a couple clips from the early games where it just like – he looked like Ray Allen out there <laughs> coming off the screens and doing it. And I know it's summer league, but, you know, I just like the way his shot looks. And – not just on the offensive end, but like on the defensive end too. Like he's he's just really active. He, he seemed to have high energy from start to finish. Uh, I like the way he's able to fight over screens and stay with his guys. So, I mean, in my opinion, I think it's a no-brainer that the Mavs should, you know, give him a two-way contract. I'm not exactly sure what the holdup is on that. I mean, obviously, you know, if other teams are watching, he might have some offers uh, in other places too, but you know, I just to, to me, I think it's a no-brainer. I know Moses Wright. Well, I think doesn't doesn't Moses Wright currently have the the other two-way contract? Is that correct? Um, I'm not positive on that, but um, I believe that is correct. If it was for two years, it is. I know he had a two-way contract for last season, but I'm not exactly sure if that was like if if that's automatically two years or what it was. But anyway. Um, uh, you know, even if there's just one two-way spot left, I, I do think the Mavs need to kind of, you know, go with the younger player and ditch the the Tyler Dorsey thing that they were considering before summer league started. But all right, so moving on to Jaden Hardy, uh, he was the Mavs' number thirty-seven pick in the draft. They traded with Sacramento Kings to get back in the draft because they traded the number twenty-six pick. Uh, to the Houston Rockets to get Christian Wood. So, uh, and they supposedly had Hardy number nineteen on their draft board. Uh, he was former number two overall prospect uh, on ESPN coming out of high school. Uh, he played with the G League Ignite last year, and you know his efficiency just wasn't there. And sure enough, that was a problem in summer league. He he came out of the gates with a huge uh, twenty-eight point performance. Uh, his efficiency wasn't an issue in that one. He was like 9 of 19 from the field, I believe. Uh, but then the four games after that, it just plummeted. You know, he he finished summer league. Let's say he averaged 15 points a game, but he only shot 35% from the field and 27% from three. Uh, but one thing I like, Grant, because I mean, I and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention another thing here in a second. So Mass fans don't just like freak out about his efficiency and <laughs> one summer league stretch. But one thing I like about Hardy is that it didn't seem like he, you know, even if he wasn't shooting well, it didn't seem like he was just quitting out there. Like the energy seemed high to me. Uh, you know, he was still trying to grab rebounds. He was still getting to the line. You know, I think he got to the line like five times per at least or close to five times per game. Um uh, you know, rebounding, he had about five rebounds per game, uh, close to three assists per game. Uh, a little over, let's see, 1.2 steals per game. Uh, so, you know, he, he was active. He was trying to do other things aside from just scoring. And that's what you like to see out of a young player. So uh, he, he was 19 when they drafted him. He just turned 20 years old. So there's still a lot, a lot of growing for him to do. But uh, overall, what was your initial impression from, from Jaden Hardy, aside from his efficiency struggles? 
Yeah, I think, uh, honestly, he did pretty solid on, you know, just taking off the dribble jump shots. I think, uh, you know, sometimes you saw some flashes, like in the first game when he got the ball in the corner, uh, you know, and he tacked, uh, used like a behind the back to get to a step back on the baseline and knocked it down. Like that was a pretty uh, intriguing play. Um, You know, I think a lot of stuff that he struggled with was stuff that was kind of, expected if you dug deep into his G League production. Like, uh, he wasn't a good finisher uh, with the G League night. Uh, he needed to get better at floaters, use them more as well. Um, that was another area he struggled with um, in the summer league. Um, and I think, like, just running high ball screens, um, you know, kind of orchestrating the offense, um, that was another area that, you know, a lot of young guards typically need to improve, uh, you know, when they're young coming into the NBA. Um, and he, you know, struggled with his efficiency in that area as well. And, uh, you know, just kind of shows you where he's at with uh, competition that's also entering the league and kind of like a foundation um, for like the player development uh, personnel for the Mavericks to kind of build upon uh, entering his rookie year. Yeah, and just the Mavs in general and the fan base, and it, you know, this is this is something that's kind of like uncharted territory. Like we're not used to <laughs> to having a really young guy like this with with high upside, and you know, having to go through those those growing pains alongside the expectations. So, you know, that's something that's a little bit. N- newer you know it's a little bit different with like say a guy like dorian finney smith when the mavs signed him he was already 23 years old he was an under under strict or undrafted free agent rather uh and you know there were no expectations like in year two there were people calling for him to get cut in training camp and sure enough you know the mavs were patient and he turned himself into a really really good three and d player uh so you know patience is a thing that's going to have to be applied here it's not going to happen overnight. And one thing I wanted to bring up just to kind of like ease the fan base's uh, doubts if they, you know, from those last couple of games from Hardy, I was looking back at the stats from uh, the 2018 Summer League. <laughs> Jalen Brunson, let me find it here. Okay. Yeah. Jalen Brunson, he averaged seven points per game, he shot 23% from the field on nearly 10 attempts per game. And he shot 30% from three. (laughs) So (laughs) that just goes to show you. And Jalen Brunson, he's turned himself into one of the more efficient players in the league, uh, you know, this past season. And it ended up getting him a hundred million dollar contract from the Knicks. So it just goes to show you that you, you can't put too much stock into summer leagues in summer league stats. Uh, you know, it's more in in my opinion. I mean, I know stats. I mean, it's a balancing act between stats and the eye test and the actual NBA. Uh, but for summer league, I think it's more you have to put more stock into the eye test and you know how guy you know, the energy guys are playing with and uh, how active they are and if they're getting discouraged when their shots not falling or if they're continuing to fight through it. You know, stuff like that. Uh, to me at least is the more important stuff to look for in summer league. So um, I'm not saying that Hardy's going to end up being Jalen Brunson 2.0, completely different players, but uh, I don't think the efficiency thing is, is something to worry about right now. And Grant, I want to get your thoughts on this too. I mean, am I wrong for thinking that, you know, Hardy could play much better for the Mavs this season in a low pressure uh, 
bench role, you know, maybe maybe 10 to 15 minutes a game, if that, uh, you know, coming off the bench and not having the pressure of being the guy like he like he was in summer league? Yeah, I think if you're going to stagger the starting backcourts minutes uh, like Don Luca and uh, Spencer Dinwiddie and have another like ball handler on the floor uh, with uh, Hardy, um, I think, you know, he could do uh, pretty solid, um, you know, playing attacking off the catch. And then you can maybe run some uh, like action off ball actions for him uh, like they did uh, mostly in that first game. Uh, and he did quite well because it kind of takes away uh, like the need to, to read uh, like the def- the help defender uh, making a stunt and stuff like that. And like, uh, I think that's like a, a lower pressure, uh, simpler way to kind of ease like a guard uh, into the NBA than it is to kind of be like, all right, here's the keys to the second unit. Um, and then get upset whenever, uh, you know, it's not going too well early on. Yeah. And I mean, I, I still think the Mavs need to, you know, add another, I mean, ideally, you'd like to add a wing that's able to be a playmaker as well. But you know, those those guys don't just grow on trees. <laughs> so, for sure. Uh, so I, I still think the Mavs do need to add another secondary playmaker. Uh, you know, Goran Dragic would have been perfect for that role, in my opinion. Apparently, the Mavs don't think he has too much left in the tank. Uh, I disagree. After watching him play with Luca and the Slovenian national team. Uh, a few weeks ago, but you know, it is what it is there. Um, uh, by the way, uh, Matt Blatson, his, his birthday is on the 19th. I think, uh, I hate that they kind of ruined his birthday by doing that beforehand, but (laughs) 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 maybe, maybe they'll do something, uh, you know, like that, uh, Mike Conley plus Boyan Bogdanovich trade with the Utah jazz and, you know, kind of, kind of help both areas you get a you get a wing that can play power forward too if you need to and you know add somebody like Conley who's a veteran and still has a little bit left in the tank as well but anyway the overall point from all this is like you know summer league it's it's nice you know you get a you get a a hint of NBA basketball uh during the summer when everything's kind of died down but it's not something you should just like overreact to. And, you know, you, you shouldn't watch those games and think, oh man, Jaden Hardy, he's going to be a bust. No, I, I don't think that's the case at all. I think he's got some real talent. I think he'll continue to improve with the, the Mavs coaching staff and uh, some of their development coaches. Uh, and I think he'll have a, a decent rookie season uh, in a low pressured role. So, uh, so anyway, Moving on from the summer league stuff, we're going to jump into some some overall NBA trade stuff, and you know, kind of see if the Mavs can can get in on some of this. Because as of right now, I mean, it just kind of feels like the Mavs are stuck with what they got. Uh, you know, you they still have one open roster spot. I know some people have been calling for like, oh, why don't they go and try to s- sign Dennis Schroeder? Uh, to a veteran minimum contract, which, I mean, in theory sounds like a good idea, but Dirk apparently really doesn't like that guy, and he's <laughs> he's he's a, a, a official advisor to the team, so I don't know if that would go over well or not. But, uh, you know, we're looking at the whole NBA landscape here, and the Indiana Pacers, they signed DeAndre Jordan to an offer sheet. Uh, it took the Suns maybe five hours 
before they matched it. I mean, you, you that's that's the correct business move. You just can't lose him for nothing. Uh, but you know that kind of takes them out of the KD sweepstakes, and so all that has died down now. And then as soon as that happened, then the Donovan Mitchell trade stock trade talk starts. Um, you know, with the Knicks and Jazz opening discussions, and the Knicks have like eight future first round picks they can use uh, in a trade and Danny Ainge is wanting the majority of those, but the Knicks backed off. So we are not exactly sure where that's at, where that's at right now. But if something does happen there, then, you know, the rest of the jazz roster is going to be, you know, it's going to be a fire sale. And well, I take that back. I, you would think it's a fire sale, but with Danny Ainge being the, the guy calling the shots there now, you know he's going to try to squeeze every little bit of value out of all those players that he can. So I don't know if I'd necessarily call it a fire sale. But anyway, you'd think the Mavs would have a shot at grabbing one or two of those guys, you know, from that situation if they think it's worth it. So uh, I guess where I want to start here, Grant, is do you think the Jazz and the Knicks will end up getting something done here? Or do you think it, you know – some other team might come out of the, you know, come out of nowhere. Like maybe Miami tries to conjure up something to, to get Donovan Mitchell in, in a heat uniform or, I mean, what do you, how do you see that situation playing out before we get to the Mavs part of it? Well, I think honestly the heat seem like they are like, I think a lot of the, the faith is kind of built on, Oh, Pat Riley is kind of like this, uh, like, honestly like i don't know mastermind capable of anything and i feel like like he is very talented but i feel like you have to look at the roster and the assets they have and i just don't see how you compete with a knicks offer that's like picks oriented on a team that wants to tear it down uh trading away their all-star guard i i feel like uh they don't really have many players that they can flip for picks and then send in a trade either um, like Duncan Robinson, um, I think it's probably more likely he's a negative asset than a positive asset uh, right now. Um, so, you know, when you look at uh, who who else would they even really be open to trading? Like if you're willing to move Tyler Hero to a third team, how many draft picks does he necessarily get you um, from a third team who then has to pay him, what you know, a new contract and he wants a max? Um, so I think they're kind of in a tough situation to compete with the Knicks. And, you know, I think there's even a possibility where they can make, you know, moves, have assets. And then all of a sudden, you know, when a team like, uh, the jazz makes their calls around before, you know, kind of actually executing a trade, I feel like the Knicks are going to be that last team that gets the chance to kind of put their best package forward, uh, since they have more to, to potentially use in a trade package. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, 
the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, and, and the, you know, I was listening to uh, the low post with uh, Zach Lowe, and I think it was uh, Tim McMahon that was on there with him, and they were talking about this situation the other day, and the way McMahon put it, he was just like, do you really – like?" okay, so the Knicks backed off of that initial uh, offer or request from Utah at first, and so everybody's saying, oh, well, maybe they're not going to get a deal done, and uh, McMahon was just like – do you really think that, you know, the Knicks who sent <laughs> Worldwide West out to uh, to Dallas to watch both Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell in the playoffs from the bench and, you know, it's all this uh, – maybe it's not like actual tampering, but it, it's at the very least it's it's on the line. I mean, I, I don't know what you want to call it, but, you know, going through all this trouble and they've been after Mitchell for what seems like at least two years now, like, do you really think they're not going to get a deal done? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's so I, many connections with it, like the CAA stuff. He's a local kid. He's probably wanted to play there at some point in his career as well, for all we know. And, like, there's just so many uh, boxes that get checked. Every time I turn around, on social media, I see Donovan Mitchell wearing orange and blue. And now given it's, it's New York Mets stuff, but it's like every time I see him on social media, a picture being shared of it's him and and Mets stuff. (laughs) He's always, it, it just seems like it's, it's meant for him to be there. And I think the Knicks will eventually cave, uh, and, you know, go through with a deal on that. And I mean, yeah, they'll have their superstar, player that they've been wanting it's probably the the highest ranking type of star player they've had since Carmelo uh but you know like like I've seen mentioned in other places too there's some real questions about a Jalen Brunson Donovan Mitchell backcourt like and I mean that's not just that's not being like a hater from a a Dallas Mavericks perspective that's just being like objective about it (laughs) Yeah, I think it's tough when you start 
uh, factoring in as well, like the rest of the roster. Like Julius Randle likes to play around the elbows, all that stuff, and he doesn't, you know, necessarily play much defense. And he regressed a lot from three. Uh, and then R.J. Barrett is at his best kind of attacking downhill as well. So it's like, you know, I know Donovan Mitchell um, is a pretty solid off-ball player, and he can hit pull-up threes at a high level. But um, so it's different than, like, when you're talking about, like, what a guy like DeJounte Murray may have fit next to Jalen Brunson, like, since those were rumors earlier in the offseason. But still, it's like then it's different where Murray is a very effective defender, but, um, you know, there's offensive concerns. Um, uh, but with uh, Mitchell, it's like that. there's definitely defensive concerns. Like, what's the effort level uh, going to be from him? Um, how many minutes is Tom Thibodeau going to play him? Uh, you know, all that good stuff. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see how – I mean, the Knicks are kind of in a situation where, like, they're in position to do it. So, I mean, they might as well just do it and worry about the other stuff later. Uh, I mean, I mean, that's probably what I would do if I was in their situation. But, you know, there still are questions there. But let's assume they do get it done. They, they make a trade with the Jazz. They end up getting Donovan Mitchell – uh, the Jazz end up getting a plethora of other picks, just like they did for Rudy Gobert. Uh, and so now they have to figure out what they're going to do with the rest of their roster. They have guys that many contenders will be interested in, Boyan Bogdanovich, Mike, well, maybe not Mike Conley, but uh, Patrick Beverly, who I believe is on an expiring contract, uh, Jordan Clarkson, uh, Malik Beasley. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of names there, and – I'm just wondering, like, is Mike Conley as much of a negative asset as as people have made out to be? Because everywhere I've read, you know, even even from, like, Utah perspective, uh, it seems like he's a negative asset enough to where if the Jazz wanted to get off of his contract, which has another year beyond this upcoming season for about $24 million, I believe, you know, it made it seem like the Jazz would have to add a first-round pick to shed him. But in the in the specific case of the Mavs, you know, they kind of need a guy like Conley now. They they need a guy that uh, is a true secondary playmaker. Uh, it helps that he's a veteran. He's going to be 35 before the season starts, so that's a negative. But, you know, he averages 14 points a game, five assists per game. And he shot 40% from three last year. So, I mean, I, I just kind of wonder, like, I feel like the overall perspective is that Conley is a negative asset, but I feel like Dan Danny Ainge could look past that <laughs> with the Mavs asking and could be like, well, you know, you, you kind of need a guy like him, so why should I have to give up a pick? But, you know, what, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think um... – just looking at like his contract in general, it looks like uh, of that 24, uh, around 24.4 million of his contract, uh, not this upcoming season, but the final season, it looks like 14.3 million of that is uh, guaranteed. And uh, yeah, that's still a decent chunk um, for a guy who'll be 36. I guess uh, um, another layer to the whole thing, I guess, is uh, who would the Knicks be sending back to the Jazz in a trade as well? Because they might need a third team to facilitate it in that regard as well. If they don't want like some some salary filler uh, to veteran to end up on uh, Utah. Uh, and see, like, this, uh, 
this is where sorry to interrupt, but this this is where I I did that Mike Conley and Boyan Bogdanovich piece uh, a few days ago for DallasBasketball.com. But my most recent one was just like, okay, well, let's that's kind of wishful thinking, you know, thinking that you could get both of those guys. Well, how about they just try for Conley in a three way trade? with the jazz and the Knicks. And then, you know, you end up getting the, your 2023 first round pick back from the Knicks. And then that way, you know, you're, you're helping them facilitate the trade. Uh, You're taking that 2023 pick back. So that opens up a whole world of new trade possibilities. You're not restricted by that anymore. Uh, And then you also get Mike Conley who can still be effective. And he kind of feels that need that you have uh, from Jalen Brunson leaving go to new york so you know that's that's kind of that was my most recent piece on that it's like okay well just let's just forget about uh bogdanovich for right now and how about we just you know try to do something three-way trade get mike conley that 2023 pick would be going to utah you know as part of the overall pick package for donovan mitchell but then utah would just redirect that to the mavs you know so we'd take mike conley to facilitate the trade yeah, and I think one silver lining of, uh, like, if anyone has concerns about Conley's contract is that at least it would be less than what they were willing to pay uh, Kyle Lowry last summer. <laughs> Definitely. Contract <laughs> offers, so at least there's that. Yeah, that that would have been brutal. Uh, I mean, I, I figured Kyle, Lowry, Kyle Lowry was getting close to the point where he was going to start having a decline, but, man, you know, he was uh, he was not great last year. <laughs> <laughs> and you know given what mike conley produces still right now at the age of 34 going on 35 uh compared to what jalen brunson is making now i mean it kind of it kind of fits i mean you're just kind of hoping he can hold up and uh you know injury concerns might be a thing even though he played 72 games this past year but you saw how that worked out when he got to the playoffs he looked exhausted so uh, I guess one good thing about uh, um, the whole playoffs thing, too, is that if you're on Luka Doncic's team, then you don't have to get posted up by That's a perfect way to put it. That's yeah, 100% right. He doesn't have to worry about uh, getting in the post with Luka, and he'll be on his team this time. So, uh, And, I mean, it, the same would go for uh, – Bogdanovich too he was like the main reason I mentioned this on the last pod too but I feel like he's the main reason the Jazz didn't get swept in the first round uh against the Mavs and you know he kind of worn he was worn down over the course of that series when Luca came back because he was just putting so much energy into trying to trying to defend him (laughs) Luca people don't realize just how how big and how strong Luca is but I mean he's he's just a monster he will wear you down uh, from the start of a game to the finish. Yeah, having to fight through like all those uh, pick and rolls too. That uh, <laughs> that definitely doesn't help either. <laughs> uh, well, look, one more thing I wanted to touch on, and we'll get out of here. We weren't going to stay on here very long anyway. But uh, Josh Green, he he seems to be assuming that the Mavs don't end up uh, using him in a trade between now and training camp. He could be one of those like swing players this year, you know, for how good the Mavs could be, you know, if they're going to be able to reach their ceiling after losing Jalen Brunson. And again, this is assuming they don't do anything else between now and then. But, 
he didn't play in summer league for the third straight year. Uh, many people in the Mavs organization kind of treated last year as, as his actual rookie season uh, because of, you know, how he was used with Rick Carlisle, which, I mean, I get that. Uh, and he did, I mean, to, to Green's credit, I mean, he's not perfect. He's still going through growing pains and, uh, he was he. There were moments in the playoffs where he was pretty much unplayable. But you know, for the regular season at least, I thought he had a pretty good sophomore season. Uh, he he improved across the board, efficiency wise, uh, and he just he seemed to be a little bit more confident than he normally was. I think the stage was a little bit too bright for him in the playoffs. But uh, you know, I I'm interested to see how he progresses, how he develops going into his third season. Uh, and even though he didn't play in summer league, you know there were there was a report and some videos that surfaced on on Twitter where he was in Vegas uh, working out with uh, Kevin Garnett. And I'm just, I mean, what, what have you given up on Green yet? I mean, the way I look at it, and there's a lot of people that just they're ready to give up and throw the towel in and say, oh, we'll just trade him and get whatever you can get. The way I look at it is. Green is still two years younger than Dorian Finney-Smith was in his rookie season as a unsigned or undrafted free agent back in 2016. So, I mean, when you put it in that perspective, I just I feel like it's almost too soon to give up on him. That's not I'm not saying that I wouldn't trade him if you know if he had to be a sweetener in in a Conley plus Bogdanovich type type of trade, but. I mean, I'm just not at the point where I'm going to say that, oh, well, he's a bust and he's not going to develop into some something that can be really useful for the Mavs given his age. So, I mean, am I off base there? Or what are your thoughts on Green? Well, I think, uh, you know, kind of when they signed up for the Josh Green experience, it was meant to be a long-term, uh, like, developmental ordeal. Uh, so I feel like it would be a little uh, premature to kind of pull the plug on that unless you really – kind of had to throw him in as a sweetener, as you said, in a trade. Um, you know, I think he showed some uh, improvement at times towards, like, I think after the All-Star break uh, from three, he started to be more confident taking uh, open shots. And I think there was quite a few games where, uh, you know, he was making like two or three. And, you know, I, I remember posting some stats and it was like um, he had more uh, post-All-Star break of like uh, multi- multiple make uh, makes from three type of games, uh, three plus makes from three type of games, uh, than he had in his entire career. Um, you know, I think the brights, the lights did get a little bright for him in the uh playoffs. Um, you know, just I remember watching the a promo or just one of those highlight reels that they play, uh, when you watch uh, some of those summer league games, and the number three uh play in the playoffs was him trying to drive, uh, against Rudy Gobert after a wide open uh, three he passed up and got blocked at the rim, like stuff like that. If he uh, can just, you know, have some confidence when the, the bright lights are on taking the three and live with the results uh, a little bit more, I think, uh, you know, you'll be all right. Cause he's a high energy uh, defender. Um, and, you know, he makes an impact on that end. I think you as an organization should probably, you know, trust your ability to develop a player's ability to make open shots. And if you don't, then I don't know. I feel like that might be something to look into. Well, and I mean, it kind of goes along the same lines as what we were talking about with, with Jaden Hardy too. It's like, it's, it's not something that Mavs fans 
in general are, you know, used to <laughs> having this kind of patient patience with younger prospects. I mean, you know, it, it's been like, you know, you want it and you want it now. And I mean, I get that. I really do. But it's just kind of uncharted territory. We've never been in this situation. And it doesn't help that, you know, other guys that were selected after Green in that draft, in that 2020 draft, like Tyrese Maxey and Desmond Bain and uh, Sadiq Bay, you know, guys like that are flourishing already. Uh, and so that doesn't help, you know, with, with the lack of patience. But, you know, that still doesn't mean that you have to give up on a guy this early and it would be dumb to do so because even if you do want to trade him like you're not going to get the type of player back right now uh for green you know based on what he currently is so i mean at the very least you'd want to be patient and see if he can further develop at least enough to you know where he's a more attractive trade asset uh and can get you more of the high level player in return that what you're looking for so i just think I, I'm not. I'm not giving up on Green yet. I think uh, you know he took a considerable step forward uh, with Jason Kidd and the new coaching staff this past year, and you know I expect him to take another step forward this year too. Uh, like you said, he makes an impact on the defensive end. Uh, in my opinion, you know until until Brunson uh, kind of took his next jump uh, this past year. I mean, I kind of thought it was a joke for a while, but then I really honestly started to think that. Josh Green might be the second best passer on the team. <laughs> he, he just has really good vision. Now, you know, it doesn't show up in the assist per game uh, category, but just like his vision and some of the passes he's been able to make uh, has been pretty incredible. But, yeah, if he gets his confidence up, uh, you know, starts taking those open threes instead of dribbling into trouble, uh, I think he'll just – he'll be just fine going into his third year. But we'll see how it goes. Um, well, Grant – that's pretty much all I wanted to touch on today. Uh, hopefully, you know, some stuff goes on here in the next week or so where, uh, you know, we, we have an emergency pie to jump on here and talk about something the Mavs did. But for right now, it's it's fairly quiet, and we don't have any other actual live basketball or Mavs basketball action until uh, training camp and preseason. So anything else you want to add before we take off? Um, I think uh... – I think that should be should be good for sure. I think uh, other than uh, uh, you know, I'll probably have a uh, analysis of Jaden Hardy's summer league with uh, you know, like video clips and stats, all that good stuff. Uh, probably in the near future, um, but that uh, yeah, that's probably the main thing for sure. Yeah, y'all be sure to check that out on DallasBasketball.com. Uh, any any kind of you know Mavs rumor or speculation or. Uh, you know, like Grant said, summer league analysis, stuff like that. We're going to have it up on the site here in the next couple of days and weeks. Uh, so be sure to stay tuned there. And like I said, when we first got started, you can follow me on Twitter at Dalton underscore Trig. You can follow Grant at Grant Afseth. Uh, guys, I appreciate it. I uh, hope you have a great rest of your Sunday. Hope you have a great week this next week. And we'll talk to you next time. Y'all have a good one.